before we get into our talk, which will be about overcoming fear, I wanted to begin by praying together. So if you can take out your Bibles, we are going to turn to Mark chapter 4. I'll give you a few minutes to find it. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And the reason I've chosen this particular verse is that it's what Pope Francis spoke, spoke about during his Urbi et Orbi, meaning to the city and to the world address last Friday. My original plan was a different scripture verse, but then Pope Francis changed my mind. So now we're going to look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and we're going to do an abbreviated form of Lexio Divina, which means divine reading. If you've taken other Bible studies or classes, you've probably heard of this before, but for those who it's new for, we're going to read the scripture once through, and then I'm going to take a moment of silence where we're going to pause, and I want you to think about what's literally happening in the scene. So whether that is um, you're thinking about what the disciples' faces might have looked like, what might have been going through their minds, what, what were the waves like crashing into the boat, uh, things such as that. After that period of silence where you're picturing the scene in your mind, then I'm going to read through the passage once again, and I want you to pick a word or phrase that sticks out to you. Again, it can be a single word or or an entire sentence, a phrase. And then I want you to take turns unmuting yourself to speak that word or phrase out loud to the group. So it might be good to once again find that mute button to be ready. And then um, I'll give you a, a heads up when we're going to be doing that, speaking out loud together, praying as one. The reason I feel it's so important to always begin my Bible studies with this type of prayer is that there's two ways of reading scripture. You can read it as an intellectual pursuit, or you can read it as a prayer to enrich your faith. And I've been in some classes where I feel like we're only searching for the intellectual, and then you don't leave room for the Holy Spirit to work inside your heart. And I never want that in one of our Bible studies. I want our reading of scripture and our reading of the church's teachings to always have the goal in mind to help us fall deeper in love with him who is love. So that's my goal, and I want to make that clear by starting with scripture here today together. So give me a thumbs up if everyone is ready. So with that, we are going to pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a great storm of wind arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we perish? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? 
And they were filled with awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now take a moment to reflect in your hearts. I'm going to turn my video off for just a minute. Again, picture the scene in your mind. What do the disciples think? What is Jesus thinking when they wake him up? What does the scene look like around, around them? You may now want to pause this audio recording to read this scripture passage again. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41 and to pick a word or phrase to ponder. Jesus, thank you for this time of prayer. Thank you for coming to us in your word. Help these words of yours to resonate our hearts as you wish for us to receive them. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you everyone for praying with me. I know that will make our time together all the more fruitful. A quick note. Uh, again, for those who are new to Zoom, you may notice that you have both a speaker view and a gallery view, which are at the top right-hand corner. If you move your mouse, it'll pop up. When I'm giving my talk, speaker view is probably best to use so that you can see me larger. But when we're discussing things together, such as when we do Lexio Divina or during our group discussion today, gallery view might be better so that you can see everyone and interact. I'm not sure how your programs work on your different devices, but I think that might be helpful for you. So back to speaker view for me. So with that, we're going to move into the talk, unless there's any questions. Feel free to unmute yourself if you do. Okay. Uh, when we get to our small group discussion later, I'm gonna try to give you a chance to introduce yourself, uh, just to say your name, uh, your parish, and then a fun fact about you, whether it's something about your family, or it doesn't even have to be a fun fact, it could be something you want us to pray for as well. So I'm telling you that now to um, give you time to think about it so you're not caught off guard. Tonight, our topic is overcoming fear. So in order to be steadfast in hope, as our theme is for this study, study, first we want to overcome fear. And the way that we are gonna talk about this tonight is to follow the example of Pope Francis. During his address last Friday, uh, which if you had the chance to see um, was a huge blessing, if you didn't, I'll send you the link to be able to view it after our study tonight. But Pope Francis uh, did an Urbi et Orbi blessing that's normally only done on Christmas and Easter. But he wanted to do a special address to the city of Rome and to the world because of our current pandemic that we're in. And this address uh, 
was unlike any other I'd ever seen. I've had the chance to be in Rome for many joyful celebrations in St. Peter's Square, whether it was Easter, John Paul II's canonization, or Pope Francis blessing um, my marriage last fall. But on those occasions, the square was just packed and there were a bunch of security uh, Swiss guards around Pope Francis, along with him riding in his Pope mobile with lots of signs and cheering. And um, coincidentally, the, or providentially, I should say, the weather was always really nice. But on Friday, we saw a very different scene. Pope Francis was in St. Peter's Square all by himself. Um, he walked up the stairs um, without anyone around him, just slowly in the rain without an umbrella, uh, didn't even need security. His personal, personal secretary helped him to make the final few steps to be able to, to speak to, to the world. And then Pope Francis started his address with, with these words. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, whoops, excuse me. Here's how he began. When evening had come, the gospel passage we have heard begins with this. For weeks now, it has been evening. Thick darkness has gathered over our squares, our streets, and our cities. It has taken over our lives, filling everything with a deafening silence and a distressing void that stops everything as it passes by. We feel it in the air. We notice it in people's gestures. Their glances give them away. We find ourselves afraid and lost. Like the disciples in the gospel were caught off guard by an unexpected turbulent storm. We were caught off guard by an unexpected turbulent storm. We have realized that we are on the same boat, all of us fragile and disoriented, but at the same time important and needed, all of us called to row together, each of us comforting the other. On this boat are all of us. Just like those disciples who spoke anxiously with one voice, saying, we are perishing. So we too have realized that we cannot go on thinking of ourselves but only together can we do this. It could be tempting in this time of social distancing to feel like everyone is for themselves. We have to social distance in order to protect ourselves, in order to protect our families. Yet here Pope Francis is telling us the exact opposite. That during this time of a pandemic, we are actually all crying out with one voice saying, we are perishing. And it's this one cry from the heart in which we find ourselves more united than we do most of the time. Ironically, in this time of social distancing, this has become a very person-oriented time. And that's because all the excesses have faded away. Suddenly, we can't be all going on our own way, thinking about the next vacation, the next boat we're going to buy, the next camper, the next trip. Instead, we're all thinking about the essentials and there's uncertainty with the essentials. We find ourselves thinking about faith. How do I live my faith during this time? Family, our family habits have probably been upended. 
How do I love my family during this time? We're thinking about food. How am I going to find it? Are the st stores going to be stocked today when I go try to find food? Will they be stocked months from now? And we're also worried about shelter. For those who've lost their jobs, they're worried about paying for their mortgages and worried about their rent. And thankfully, our government is going to, to help with that. Um, but still, the worry is there, the, the financial worry is there, the worry about health, about family. And suddenly, every meal we eat has more weight and meaning. I don't know about you, but usually when I eat, grab something my, from my fridge, I don't think that much about it. But now when I grab something from my fridge, I think, okay, I'm one day closer to, to needing to go out again to possibly risk being exposed uh, by the coronavirus. And if we dwell on those fears, those uncertainties, then we can become paralyzed. But like the disciples in the gospel, we have to turn to Jesus and to, to cry out to him. But the disciples, their way of crying out wasn't exactly the most faithful way of crying out. Sure, they believed in Jesus, but Pope Francis points out that they had doubts about how much Jesus really cared about them. Pope Francis says that it must have hurt for Jesus to hear the words, do you not, do you not care? One of the things that hurts us in our families most when we hear it said is, do you not care about me? It is a phrase that wounds and unleashes storms in our hearts. It would have shaken Jesus too, because he more than anyone cares about us. Indeed, once they have called on him, he saves his disciples from their discouragement. See, the reason that Jesus reproaches the disciples and says, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Is that their fear reveals a lack of trust. Instead of crying out, Lord, we are perishing, and then saying, I trust you to save me in this moment, they say, do you not care? And we don't want to have that attitude. We want to, to reach a point of greater conversion where we recognize in every moment, despite the uncertainty around us, that the Lord deeply cares for us more than anyone else ever does, and that he's able to provide for us to bring good out of even the worst situations. The dictionary defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. Let me say that again. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by a belief. And that belief can be either real or perceived. And in that belief, we believe that we're going to be harmed. But here's the truth. Whether the danger is real, whether it is perceived, the saints have taught us that nothing, absolutely nothing, is worth our peace. And so in these turbulent times where we feel like our boats might be capsizing, we need to trust that Jesus will stop the storm in his will and say to the world, peace be still. He says this to us physically speaking, but he also says it to us, most importantly, spiritually, that when we have these internal storms, Jesus says to us, peace, be still. There is no external circumstance that can force you to be afraid. 
Fear is your reaction to a circumstance. Fear is what the devil wants you to dwell on. Yet the Bible says 365 times, be not afraid. St. John Paul II was especially known for saying this. When us Americans think of John Paul II, we often think of the words, be not afraid. And Pope Benedict echoed these words as well, be not afraid, open wide the doors to Christ. And here we see, see Pope Francis once again saying to us, be not afraid. And Pope Francis echoed Jesus, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? See, the appropriate reaction in uncertain times may be to have that, that moment of, of fear, but then to, to let it go, to not dwell on it, to return to a state of hope, a state of faith, of love, and of fortitude. Again, the devil wants you to be paralyzed in fear. God says to us, be not afraid. At the same time, we don't want to take unnecessary risks, right? This call to be not afraid is not a call to being imprudent, right? So if we are called in this moment individually to stay at home, then we need to do that. That's, that's the most courageous thing you can do at that moment is to stay home. It's the most prudent thing you can do. If you're a nurse, like I know at least a couple of people on this call are, your call may be to go out and to serve others right now, and that's because that is your particular call at this time. Yet if someone like myself, who has absolutely no medical training, suddenly decides to take it upon myself to be out in the world, I'm more a hazard to the world than a help. God calls us each individually every moment of our lives, and that includes right now. We have to serve him in the way we've been called, and not, once again, comparison is never good. We can't compare ourselves to others and say, if only I could do what they were doing. We have to ask God, well, what do you want me to do today? What is your will for me? And to take peace in his will. And maybe that means a long extended spiritual retreat at home right now. Or maybe for our nurses or other essential workers on the line, that means taking a deep breath and stepping outside your door in the morning, recognizing that God will be with you. Be not afraid. So once again, we need to govern our actions by prudence. We can't decide we're going to be courageous and go out if it's not the thing that we're called to do at the moment. So with that clarification that fear doesn't mean rashness, fearlessness does not mean that we must be um, careless, I want to focus on the virtue of faith and the virtue of fortitude. Then other weeks we're going to talk about the other virtues, especially that of hope. We'll talk about hope in the next couple weeks. So first let's look at faith. What Jesus is trying to teach us and his disciples by his reproach is that we need never doubt God's ability to save us. And this doesn't mean just physically, but also spiritually as well. I heard someone say recently, although I can't remember which spiritual writer it was, what good is physical healing if the soul is not healed? That's a pretty uh, radical statement for our, most of our world to swallow. What good is physical healing if the soul is not healed? 
You see, the, the spirit um, must first be essentially healed before we turn to, to the body. You'll see in the Gospels that Jesus doesn't ever just heal someone physically without also calling them to conversion or healing them in another spiritual way. Because he didn't come just to save our bodies, but to save our entire person, soul and body. And if the spirit is ill, that often manifests in, in physical illnesses in people. Like for example, someone that's really high anxiety might find that they have a lot of muscle tension and pain that comes from that anxiety. So God didn't come here and we can't, and we don't wanna just pray right now for physical healing, but both spiritual and physical healing. Pope Francis uh, said in his speech on, on Friday that the world has continued on, the world is sick, and we've ignored it. That people have continued on thinking that they could be healthy in a world that is sick, and that this is a problem, and it's part of the reason that we've reached our current crisis. If the world is sick, we need to, first of all, start with healing in ourselves spiritually and physically so that we might be then able to go out if we're essential workers and heal the world or to, for now, remain in a state of spiritual communion with the world to then go out stronger than ever before. I truly believe that when this is over, if the Christians of the world take this time to um, think of it as kind of like a period of religious formation. If you take this time to uh, make a retreat, to grow in your relationship with God, that we are going to be even more a force to be reckoned with once all this social distancing is done, because there will be a greater amount of fire in all of our hearts and love for love of our Lord, and also greater awareness for the ways that our world needs healing and repair. But this trusting God is not easy, right? The first sin of Adam and Eve came from the devil putting doubt in their mind. The devil said to them, did God really say that? Did he really say you couldn't eat of the fruit of the tree? And he put doubt in their mind that God wanted all that was good for them, that maybe God was withholding something that was good, that if they listened to the devil, they really could be more like God than God had already given them. So this seed of doubt led to the first sin. And sometimes we think that fear and doubt can be harmless. But what the story of Adam and Eve has shown us, what the story of the disciples in the boat has shown us, is that when left unchecked, fear and doubt can be paralyzing and it can lead us to sin and temptation. It can lead us to despair and say, Lord, do you not care? Despair is the opposite of hope, and it not only hurts us, it hurts the heart of God. He who loves us deeply and infinitely with a human and divine heart can be trusted. Again, think of that. God loves you through his incarnation, through his coming to earth with a human heart. Before the birth of Jesus, that could not be said. Yet he loves you with the same heart as, as you love him. And that, that type of intimacy is um, something to be fought for 
and something to help bolster our hope during this time. So I urge you, do not let this coronavirus crisis steal your peace. Do not let the fear of the world, the um, hyper speaking about it that our media tends to give us constant 24 seven, don't let that steal your peace. They're just trying to do their job, but sometimes if you listen all day long, you'll find yourself, your anxiety just raising and raising and raising. And that's the moment to say enough, this is no longer good for me. Just set a time limit for the amount of coronavirus information you can take in and then move on to focus on the, the good that God has given you in that moment. We also need to develop what St. Ignatius of Loyola called holy indifference. And that doesn't mean that you don't care what's happening, but it means that in a good way you are indifferent to it. Here's what I mean, that you can say, Lord, in sickness or in health, in isolation or community, thy will be done. So that if you get sick from the coronavirus or something else, you can be at peace to say thy will be done. If you still get to remain healthy at home right now, yet you're feeling kind of restless, wishing you could go out, say, Lord, thy will be done in all things, in disappointments, and in triumphs, to say, thy will be done, Lord, because I have holy indifference to the, to the things going around me, to accept whatever comes. We can also take the advice of St. Padre Pio, who said, pray hope and don't worry. Truly, we need to pray hope and don't worry. At the beginning of Lent, before this whole crisis hit, I decided that I was going to, every time I felt like I was worrying, I was going to say, Jesus, give me your trust. And the reason I did that is that I recognized that worry doesn't lead us to happiness and it also doesn't do anything, right? It just, we sit there and stew in our worries and it doesn't lead us anywhere. Again, it can be paralyzing. And so I decided rather than saying, Jesus, I trust in you, because then it places the the weight of responsibility on myself and being able to have the strength to do that. The priest advised me to say, Jesus, give me your trust because then it's the strength of Jesus that I'm asking for to be able to trust in the Lord um, with his strength. And so I started doing that at the beginning of Lent. Then this whole crisis hit and I thought, of all Lent's, this is the Lent <laughs> that I decide to give up worrying. <laughs> I thought that was quite a kind of crafty of God thinking that was, I thought I was just going to have a normal spring. No. <laughs> so I give that advice to you as well. If you find yourself worrying a lot, you could use Padre Pio's phrase, pray, hope, and don't worry. You could also say, Jesus, give me your trust. On the theme of trust, that leads me to the divine mercy image, which says, Jesus, I trust on you at the bottom. I received an email from the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception last week, and they're calling everyone to seal the doorposts. They have a great devotion to the divine mercy, so they're all asking us to seal the doorposts 
with an image of the divine mercy, to literally tape a divine mercy image on your front door. And the reason they're doing this is to hearken back to uh, the time of the Israelites in Exodus, when the Israelites sealed their doorpost with the blood of the lamb in order to then eventually free them from Egypt. So we're sealing our doorposts as Catholics with the divine mercy image. And there are incredible promises attached to this image. I'd like to read you a few quotes. First, Jesus said to St. Faustina, the soul that will venerate or honor this image will never perish. Jesus also promises victory over our enemies, especially at the hour of death, and to defend us as his own glory. St. Faustina's confessor also recalled that Jesus said to St. Faustina, when chastisements for sins come upon the whole world and your own country will experience utter degradation, the only refuge will be trust in my mercy. I will protect the cities and homes in which the divine mercy image is found. I will protect the persons who will venerate or honor this image. The only refuge will be trust in my mercy. And Jesus also said to St. Faustina, let everyone procure for their homes this image because there will yet come trials and those homes and entire families and everyone individually who will hold this image of mercy in deep reverence, I will preserve from every sort of misfortune. The time will come when all those who do so will give witness to the miraculous efficacy and to the spiritual protection of mercy flowing from this image. Now these promises do not mean that you will not get physically sick, but what it does mean is that for those who seal their doorpost, God has placed a special protection over you and over your family, and that he will never go back on his word, that truly those who venerate the image will never perish. That could be spiritually or physically. So I encourage you all to get a Divine Mercy image if you do not have one. One way to get one is to go on the uh, Marian Fathers website and they have a free downloadable image. And I will include a link to that in our follow-up email after tonight. Uh, you can also, I didn't know this until I listened to the Marian Fathers uh, YouTube video about it, but the, there's certain blessings that lay people can give by virtue of our baptismal promises. Because at your baptism, you were baptized priest, prophet, and king. This is a different type of priestly character than the ordained priests have, but it's still a character to be able to offer praise and blessing to the world. And this is very limited, then, um, of course, our priests and deacons have our clergy. But the catechism says that you, as a layperson, can bless an image if you cannot find a priest by making the sign of the cross over the image while saying, O oh Lord, I seek your blessing upon this image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'll include these words in our follow-up email as well. But again, if you can't find a priest, you can make the sign of the cross over the image and say, O oh Lord, I seek your blessing upon this image, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that was news to me as of Friday, but it's pretty powerful right now when you can't as easily get to a priest all the time. 
Um, if you don't have a printer and don't have a Divine Mercy image, I would suggest uh, just write, Jesus, I trust in you. Um, I trust in your mercy on a piece of paper and put that on your door. Uh, God, God will know what you mean. <laughs> so for more details on entrusting yourself to Divine Mercy, uh, once again, please see the video that I'm including in our follow-up email. And remember to say daily, Jesus, I trust in you. And perhaps even want to develop the habit of at the three o'clock hour, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, which again, you can find the text to that online. So now, since we've finished talking about the virtue of faith and of trust, let's spend a little time talking about the virtue of fortitude because we're gonna need it. Whether you're staying at home or going out, you're going to need fortitude. Fortitude is a virtue that gives us strength to remain firm against difficulties so that we can continue to pursue what is good. Or to put it another way, fortitude is the virtue that we use when, at the point when the other virtues are tested. At the point when you find your, your hope tested, when you find your perseverance tested, then fortitude allows you to move through that to continue towards what is good. If you pray for the virtue of fortitude and practice it, then you can conquer trials, persecutions, and even death. This virtue is extremely important right now because you need it to persevere during this trying time. You're going to feel strained both emotionally and physically. And for those staying home, uh, the time this reminds me most of is my time spent as a sister because I was in uh, formation during that time and sisters that have taken vows get to go out and teach and preach, do all these fun things for the Lord. Uh, but sisters in formation stay home all the time. So we only left the convent a couple times for mass and we went to the March for Life. Other than that, we were always there and mostly inside with a, a schedule for the day. Um, for most lay people that have never experienced the convent, this sounds uh, really trying, but you, you get used to it and you'll get used to staying home during this time as well. The thing that helps the most is to develop a rhythm of your day, to continue to like fully get, fully get dressed and to make every day special. One thing the sisters really did well that I recommend to you is to follow the liturgical calendar. You can find a link to the calendar on the Bishop's website, and I could send that link to you as well. And then if it's a saint day, I don't know, um, bake a cake, do something extra special. If it's a normal day, then keep it more normal so that you've got this rhythm of celebration in your life, even while you stay home. And you can make a habit of on those saints day, learning more about the saints. If you have children, or even if you don't, a great idea is to make a prayer corner where uh, you can change out the prayer corner depending on the season that we're in, so that you're once again celebrating with the church and celebrating with the church in a very tangible way. Um, with kids, often you can print out a picture of the saint, find a prayer from the, for the saint. You can even do that for yourself as well. Another 
another tip to help with that restlessness is to try to make a like a, a little home altar underneath your TV when you're watching mass. So to have a crucifix, to light candles, and to actually sit, stand, or kneel and use something other than your couch to, to get a regular chair to make that time special. Um, my husband and I did that last weekend and it made a big difference. Uh, sitting on a different chair versus sitting on the couch, uh, a huge difference. And it might feel awkward to kneel or stand in your living room just by yourself, but just know that a lot of Catholics are doing it as well. So I bring that up because establishing a rhythm to your life, establishing times and seasons that are special and related to your faith allows you to persevere more than if every day is just the same and you begin feeling like you're living the same day over and over as if you're in the movie Groundhog Day. We don't want that. It'll be boring and monotonous. Try to change it up and use the church to help you. Now, if you are going out, it's more obvious why you need this virtue of fortitude, because as people get sick, um, as the workforce gets strained, um, you're going to be strained. You're going to find yourself exhausted, both mentally and physically. And so I don't think we need to um, creatively speak to that as much, because it is so tangibly visible why the virtue of fortitude is so important for our essential workers right now. You can also see this time for both those staying home and those going out as an extended retreat for spiritual growth. We can let God enter into this desert. In my fall Bible study, the quote that we studied was from Hosea. It was, I, lead, I will lead her into the desert and there I will speak to her heart. Right now, since we're, we can't go out as much, it might feel like you're in a desert moment that it might even feel like God is distant because you can't pray in the ways that you're used to praying especially on Sundays but as Father Zip reminded us in his homily his online homily last weekend we have to remember that the most important thing is to love God more than we even love the devotions that we've come to love to say once again to have that holy indifference to say thy will be done Lord I can't go to mass right now. I can't do these devotions I want to do, but thy will be done. I'm sad, but I will let it go. I will continue to hope and trust in you and grow in intimacy with you, recognizing that you've led me into the desert and there you will speak to my heart. I can't stress that um, mass aspect enough. I've seen a lot of rants on social media from well-meaning Catholics about not going to mass. Um, and on one level, that's good that they're upset, but on another, we owe our obedience to our bishops, and we need to trust that their wisdom, their wisdom for us, and just like the G disciples needed to trust Jesus, we, needed, we need to trust that they have the be our best interests at heart, that no matter what we may want to do on the weekends, we need to trust Archbishop Hebda and other bishops that um, truly, this is what is best for us at the moment, even if it's never happened before. To say, I wish I could go to Mass, but Lord, thy will be done, and I trust our bishops, I trust our Pope. Remember that God is a God of peace. 
If something is stealing your peace, it's not from God. And the devil is really sneaky. I mentioned the screw tape letters to our afternoon group um, because it's a, a book by C.S. Lewis in which um, one the devil is training one of the, the demons on how to trick humans. And one of the ways he does this is by um, spiritual pride or, or other types of pride, by twisting our well-meaning things just enough to make us bitter, to make us upset, and to dwell on it. We don't want that. So going back to the mask, yes, we should want mass to return as soon as possible, but we don't want to dwell on a type of anger or bitterness that we can't go to mass right now. Just let it go and pray at home as you're able to. Or um, other things, maybe you had a family get together that was canceled. We don't want to, to dwell on bitterness there. Or I found out today that my university commencement for my master's degree was postponed an entire year. Um, I could be really upset and dwelling on that, or I could just say, oh, well, guess I have to go next year. Um, and yes, I was sad. It's natural to be sad, but I can't dwell on it because if I were to do that and start an angry rant on the university Facebook page, where would it get me? I want to finally talk about something I'm calling peace checks. Uh, St. Catherine of Siena developed what she called an interior cell. And a cell is a monastic word for a room. And she had this interior cell in her, her soul where she would go even in moments of chaos when she was serving others in order to have a moment of peace with God. And I encourage you, whether you're going out or staying home, to develop this interior cell where you can meet God in every moment. It's easy right now to allow anxiety and fear to build. And usually it starts building without us even noticing it until it reaches this high point and then we notice it and then maybe we feel like we want to explode or we feel like we're paralyzed. By doing frequent peace checks throughout the day, we can recognize when we're rising in anxiety or fear before we get to this point. And when we recognize it, we come down again and we can remain at a much calmer, peaceful level, which is what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to dwell in fear. So to finish up with my talk tonight, I want to repeat what Pope Francis repeated from Jesus to the disciples. Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Pope Francis urged us on Friday, let us invite Jesus into the boats of our lives. Let us hand over our fears to him so that he can conquer them. Like the disciples, we will experience that with him on board, there will be no shipwreck because this is God's strength, turning to the good, everything that happens to us, even the bad things. He brings serenity into our storms because with God, life never dies. Now I'd like to pray together Pope Francis's closing prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may you bless the world, give health to our bodies, and comfort our hearts. You ask us not to be afraid, yet our faith is weak and we are fearful. But you, Lord, will not leave us at the mercy of the storm. 
tell us again, do not be afraid. And we together with Peter, cast all our anxieties onto you, for you care about us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So truly, we need not fear. Jesus is with us. He will always be with us, and he cares for us. Amen.